Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Great to be here with you all this morning. It is exactly 11.30, and I'm going to go ahead and beg your forgiveness now. That 12 o'clock is going to come pretty quickly, and I pray I'm somewhere near the end of my preaching around noon. So, Bob, I'll do everything I can to finish in a timely fashion. Um, I get to leave after the service and go home. You have to come back next Sunday. So, um, I want to say thank you. Uh, I want to thank the, the musicians for the lovely music this morning. Um, in the, the music of redemption, there are no incidentals. Every note of redemption was planned before the foundation of the world. And I thank you for playing a part in the music of redemption. Thank you very much. Um, it's great to be here. I want to thank you all for your steadfast support. You have been supporting us really from the very beginning. Uh, we started with Mission of the World in 2007, went to Costa Rica in 2010. We were in Monterey after that uh, for one term, and now we are currently in Panama. And so as Bob and I were corresponding in preparation for this Sunday, uh, he had said, one, would you please bring a message about missions? Well, okay, yeah, it's a missions conference. But two, would you please share personally what's going on with you and how things are going in Panama and with the Lord in general? And so that's, that can be a real challenge, can it? And so I wanted to bring a message from what might seem an odd place for a missions message from Philippians 2. But I chose Philippians 2 because of the personal impact that it has had on me over the last number of years. And so I wanted to try and bring those two ideas together and hopefully to encourage New Life Church, not just in missions, but in the mission of the church. Go and make disciples of all the nations, starting in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the whole world. That's our call, isn't it? And so with that in mind, I would like to read God's word with you this morning from Philippians 2. Um, if you have Bibles, and there are some provided for you in the pew, um, this is the English Standard Version. Hmm. Hear the word of the Lord. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others 
more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to be stowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we marvel when we look at the mirror and we see ourselves in that mirror and we know how far short we fall. And that in spite of our failing, in spite of our sin, in spite of our disobedience, You have called us out of darkness to participate in this great work of the gospel to bring your kingdom. And so we pray this morning, make it our prayer every morning, Lord. Use us in your service to bring your kingdom that it might be on earth as it is in heaven. Bless our ears this morning. Bless our hearts and open us to hear your voice through these words and change us more and more into the image, into the likeness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So I want to start by sharing the context of how we get into Philippians 1 where he says, so if there's any encouragement, so there's this thought lingering out there from the previous section, and he's talked to them about the difficulty that they're experiencing as Philippians in this age where the persecution has become real. The suffering has become real in their everyday lives and they are more and more being ostracized out of the Roman culture of its day in Philippi. Experiencing this direct suffering and isolation from the community of men and women. And so he... He wants to encourage them with this message. And if you know anything about Philippians, it is a love letter of hope to them. And so that's my prayer. As Paul was 
trying to encourage the Philippians with this message. I, I pray that it, in some way that the message this morning would be an encouragement to you as well. And I want to say, as we look around what's happening in our country, and believe me, I read every day what's going on in the U.S. And pray for our church in the U.S. because more and more and more we are being pushed to the fringe and isolated from the community in which we live. Isn't that true? It's one of the beauties of God's word, its timelessness, that you would say, oh, it was written 2,000 years ago, but it is applicable, it is more than applicable. It has so much meaning for us today because we find ourselves in a very similar situation. And so it's interesting as we move into my first point, which is complete joy. That Paul says there, he says, so if there's any encouragement, he says, complete my joy. Now I stop, there's a kind of an odd thing to say, right? Paul, really, his joy's not complete. That's not what he means there. Right? His joy is complete in Christ, but as he, as he looks at those whom he loves deeply and sees them suffering and sees the, the real pain and anguish, Lord, and we ask the same thing, why is this happening? He wants them to be whole like he is. So complete my joy like I have complete joy. So he suffered, and it's really interesting what happened to Paul here. He's waiting to die, you know. He didn't know if he was going to die. He said, you know, maybe, I, maybe the Lord will allow me to survive for a while longer, which would be for the better. But if not, I'm ready, right, to live as Christ, to die as gain. That comes out of Philippians. But he's in Rome, and he's actually shackled two Roman soldiers every day, all day long so that he can't leave. But he is able to correspond with them through letters and through his friends. Isn't that amazing? Talk about the difficulty on the mission field and one of the greatest tensions that we have. I'm jumping a little bit ahead, and I'm sorry that we struggle sometimes with interpersonal relationships, but here's Paul chained to Roman soldiers And later on, who does he ask for? You were talking, I can't remember who I was talking to. At the very beginning of Paul's ministry, he has an argument with Barnabas. And he said, Mark's not coming with me over my dead body. And here he is in his later days, strapped to a Roman soldier, and he says, send me John Mark. He'll be beneficial to my ministry. And so he's suffered and he's joyous and he's trying to share that joy. How can it happen? How can we continue in spite of as we look around, as they were looking around at things? It's like, Lord, why is this going on? And he says, complete my joy. And we would say, Lord, how is that possible? And the only answer is always in Christ. There's just no other way. But he has gotten to that place in his life 
through real direct difficulty, suffering and persecution, that he could say those things. To live is Christ, and if I die, well, hallelujah. What's the greatest thing that could happen to us is to be in the bosom of our Lord and Savior right in this instant. Take my life now. I don't want to leave my wife. I'd like to be around to see all of my children be confessors of Jesus Christ and my grandchildren as well. But if I were to go today, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help my joy to be complete. And I think about what Jesus said to the disciples there as he was being ascended into the heavens and they're, they're starstruck looking up in the heavens as he's leaving. The angel said, you know, why are you standing there looking so silly? But he said, be of good cheer. Their Savior was leaving them alone. And as we would understand from church history, all but John was martyred, right? And so he, but he didn't leave them alone. He said, I must go because if I don't go, the comforter will not come to comfort you. All right. So, yeah, okay. I hear you, Paul. We, we want to have and complete your joy. How is that going to happen? And there are two things that he says here. If you look at that, he says, complete my joy. And he says, by. He says, by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord. Now, first of all, it makes sense, but why is that so important as we consider this for ourselves? How does this have bearing on what we do and how we do it? Uh, if, if you're a general in an army and you want to defeat your enemy, what is the most basic tactic for victory? Right? You want to make your enemy of two minds. You want to divide your enemy into two groups. And when you've done that division of your enemy, it's much more easy to defeat them. And so do you think God knows these things? Of course he does. And so Paul, uh, the, our God through Paul is trying to share with them, this is going to be a lot more difficult than you imagine. And I want to tell you all this today, and I know some of you really realize that already. I think of what Dr. Gonzalez has been through, right? This is going to be a lot more difficult than you imagine. As our world turns more and more and more away from God, we become much greater targets as the darkness gets darker, our lights get brighter. And so Paul says, be of one mind. If we're not of one mind, we will be defeated. Now I know some of you that have been around for a while probably know this. Do you know how many this is including all Christian religions, not Mormonism or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, but with inside the circle of orthodoxy, 
So Roman Catholic Orthodoxy, Lutheran Protestantism, how many separate denominations there are in the world today, do you know? Could you give it a guess if you could? 200, 300, 1,000, 1,500? Were that it were 1,500? 35,000 different denominations within the umbrella of historic Christianity. Seems to me there's just a little bit of division within the Christian church. And so I want to talk to you about a little bit more about that today and uh, how do we go about being of one mind is really lovely what he says here. So this same mind, this determination to be unified comes from a heart of love. He says, so having the same love. Now what does that love look like? And we have such a beautiful example. This, this is probably been the the most impactful scripture in my life ever. Have the same love, being of full accord, do nothing from selfish ambition. I want to tell you I'm a type A personality. Um, We played Zonk the other night uh, with the Carters. Um, I I won. (laughs) And I wanted to win. And I want to win. And it's part of my personality, but it's part of my broken personality to always want to win. And that's not the example that we have here, is it? And so I think about how how as, as Christians will we impact the communities in which we live? And so if we were to look at a a worldly model, it would be based on winning, right? How do I overcome through power my community? How do I make it mine? I'm going to overcome it through all the means that that are necessary. We see that more and more today, don't we? Whatever it takes, I'm going to win. That's the model that is held before us, but that's not the the model that Paul gives us. And he doesn't give us his own model. He gives us one even better than that. He says, count others more significant than yourselves. And I love this in Spanish, considere, which is a subjunctive, los demás superiores. Consider others superior. So as I'm as I'm interacting, as I'm looking to bring the kingdom of the gospel, how do I do that? If I'm sitting in a a session meeting with the other elders, if I'm sitting in the Sunday school class when we're planning Sunday school, whatever it might be, if I'm sitting with my Christian business brothers and we're talking about things, do I apply my own model that I want to win? Do I apply this model that we see here in Philippians 2? How are we going to overcome the world? 
it is exactly opposite of the model that the world presents for successful domination of the nations. And so he goes on and he says, have this mind among yourselves. And this is my second point called servant formation. So how do we become victors for Christ? And so I have these questions that I wrote down. Do you want to improve missions in your community? Do you want to improve the outreach that you have? Do you want to improve ministry in general? Do you want to really see transformation in your communities? And then I ask this question. Then what is the antidote for human pride? And it's the cross. It's the cross. And so he says there in verse 6, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours. It belongs to us already in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he was already God, he was part of the Trinity from forever, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself. And so I want to contrast here. These words are very meaningful because I think Paul was making a real statement about the connection to what happened in the garden with Adam. So Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but Adam did. The devil said, did he really say that? No, because if you really eat that fruit, You'll be like God. And so Adam was trying to grasp at something that wasn't his to have. We were already made in the image of God, but to be God? And then we look at what Jesus, and what does Jesus do, who already was in the form of God? It was his by right. And he pours himself out and denies that. The man who, by all means and understanding definitions, however you want to look at it, who was God himself, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, says, I'm going to take off my robe of divinity and I'm going to take on humility. And you know what that humility looked like? You and me. Human flesh. I think we sometimes misunderstand that part of scripture when it says he took on human flesh, it is not a compliment. Not at this point. But he's willing to do that for you and I. I can't think of any stronger Christian message for missions in all of the world than for you and I to take off that robe of presumed divinity and superiority and take on the mantle of our Savior and His humility. 
He humbled himself. And being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Now it's easy to look out there and talk to the kids and say, hey kids, this is a message for you. Be obedient to your parents. But isn't this just as appropriate for you and I in our relationships one to another? So I had a, 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 a so I have an interesting relationship. Is that right? Five minutes. I had a plan. He didn't like my plan. And we had a little bit of bump in the road. It's actually a pretty good bump. And it created some tension on our team. You know what the always in the top three reasons why missionaries leave the field. Sometimes it's number one, sometimes it's number two, sometimes it's number three. It's interpersonal conflict between Christians who haven't learned Philippians 2, haven't learned to live it. And so as I sat down with him to, to confess and to cry and to say, I want you to know I'm, I'm a broken man. I want to be good. I really do want to be good. And there's just something in me that's still, you know, and it's sin that's in me that wants me to win. And I said, but I want you to know, you're worth it to me that if I can't be honestly obedient, I've got no reason. I, I should not be on the Christian mission field. And so I'm, I'm telling you today I'm making this commitment to you to submit to you. And, you know, every other part of me was going, no, win, win, win. So he's obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's interesting. So, and as our, our, our culture continues to move headlong away from Jesus Christ and the triune God, but it moves, it continues to move deliberately in the direction of immortality. Isn't that interesting? We're going to reject the God of life, but we're going to try and find it on our own. And so uh, it's been in the news recently. There have been a couple things, but the new thing is I'm going to download my consciousness and I'm going to plug it into a computer and I'm going to be a part of an infinite computer universe for forever until the power goes out. Until the solar panels stop working. Oh, sorry, I won't go there. Again, Adam's trying to, to grab at eternal life, and Jesus is in the opposite, and he's giving his life away, and he gives it away as a ransom for many and I pray that that ransom is for you this morning. And then lastly, and here is, I think you can see clearly this is a mission message. I don't really have to make that statement. It makes it on its own. But So where does it all go? And it leads to this universal confession right here at the end of Philippians 2. 
And this is what the church, this is the purpose of the church. It says here, therefore, because Jesus humbled himself and was obedient even to death, death on a cross, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, missions. Every knee should bow in heaven on earth and every tongue confess. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe. It's all right there. That Jesus Christ is, right, and here is Yahweh, covenant God of Israel to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. And so the first Adam through disobedience and pride at his grasping at things, right, we all lose our life through his grasping. And we find that same nature in ourselves to want to grasp at those things. But when we look at this wonderful example of Jesus the Messiah who gives up what was rightfully his from eternity, gives his life away that you and I could have life and have it abundantly. The life that we don't deserve. So he pours himself out and because of his obedience in here, I think this is key for us as we consider any ministry. How do we become not only obedient to the Great Commission, but how do we become humble and obedient one to another? Because that's the great testimony to the world. Because that is so counter. It's not, it's not even cultural at all. And they look at that and they're astounded when they see it. That is absurd. It's ridiculous. You would never do it that way ever in a million years. Never, never, never. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And I just want to remind you about what it says in Romans 8, 16, 17. It says that if we desire to share in Christ's glory, we must share in his suffering. We must so as we think about what's going on around us, prepare your heart and say, Lord, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to do it. But if I want to share in that glory, I've got to. Lord, give me all of your Holy Spirit and more that I might be able to, to suffer for your sake. So let, I'm going to conclude with this and ask you this question. Do you really, really want to improve ministry and missions here, Muncie and Yorktown and the area in which you live? Got to have one mind. You got to be of one accord. You have to have one love. And we see it all wrapped up in the humility of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So pour yourself out. Right? We're so quick to judge and say, you know, that person didn't like what I offered because they don't like me. 
No, no. Perhaps your plans, perhaps my plan wasn't a good plan, you know? And perhaps there's a better plan. Or perhaps my plan's a great plan, but the Lord wants to teach me that it's not about me winning. And that I need to learn to be humble like my Savior. So don't assign motive unless it's right motive. Reject self-advancement. Stop trying to win. I mean, that's, that's who we are. When we go overseas as Americans, that's probably one of the grossest traits we have. We just overwhelm people with this desire to show how much we can do good. So like I'm, I'm from Virginia. I'm from Tidewater, Virginia. So we say good. Sorry about that. Good. Accept humility not as a way of life, but as the only way of life. With your wives, with your children, with your co-workers, with your families, pour yourself out for the sake of Jesus Christ. And He and he will bring his kingdom. Let us pray. God of all mercy, Lord, we would ask, it is not our nature, and so we beseech you by the blood of Jesus Christ, change our natures that we could say like Paul to to live as Christ. Everything about living is wrapped up in knowing who Jesus Christ is. Everything else is not worthy. But as we know Jesus, everything becomes about your glory, whether it's math or science or music or just simple, humble living. They are all wrapped up in you as the creator, God. Help shape us, Lord, so that we would want to be like you and give ourselves away. That as you bid us to come, Lord, you always bid us to come and die with you. May it be so. We pray in Jesus' name.